Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Marcus and Melina De La Cruz. We hope that you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's open up in prayer this morning. It's my honor and privilege to minister. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you want to fill in these seats up in the second, third row, you can scoot on over. Amen. Father God, we just come to you this morning, Lord. We thank you, Father, for what you have for us. We thank you for the plan of God for this service this morning, Lord. We've come to receive all that you have. Come to be participators in the things of the word and the spirit. We say, have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. And his mercy endures forever. He's so good. Amen. He's such a faithful God. Aren't you glad you're in church? Aren't you glad you came to hear the word? Did you come ready? Amen. I came ready too. Hallelujah. Well, I want to talk this morning. Uh, Lord had me, uh, I know pastor's been talking about it um, over the last few months. And so Lord put it on my heart to minister a little bit on um, what God has made us. Amen. And um, oftentimes in this life, many Christians walk around feeling guilty, feeling guilty, feeling inferior, feeling like they're not worthy, um, that they don't deserve what God has for them. Um, they don't feel, um, you know, they feel like a lowly worm. And if they could just, you know, just get a little bit of what God has for them or just make it to heaven, then they're grateful, right? Um, you know, how many of you have ever felt like you've made too many mistakes? Messed up again, you know, I've failed too many times, sinned too many times for God to really love me or really to do what he did for so-and-so, right? And, um, and God could never use me because I've messed up too many times or I'm not what I should be. And, um, you know, we have to think, where do those thoughts come from? They are not from God. They are not from heaven. They are straight, fiery darts from the pit of hell to make you feel less than, to make you feel like you're not worthy and you don't deserve it. And if the enemy can keep us feeling inferior, feeling guilty, then we'll never walk out what God has for us. Because the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne room of grace. We can't come boldly if we feel guilty. And the Bible says in, in Revelations 12, 10, that the devil, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly trying to point us back to our mistakes. He's constantly trying to point us back to what we didn't do right, where we should be, where we messed up, and how we're never going to get to where we should be because we're not good enough. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. And um, so we're going to talk about that this morning. Amen. Because um, the devil's a liar first and foremost. He's a liar. He's the father of all lies. And he is going to constantly have you focus on you. He wants us to focus on what we're not. And if we focus on what we're not, we will continue to be what we're not. You know, 
back in the day, we had a pastor. We, we moved to Seattle and uh, to the Pacific Northwest. And we had a tremendous pastor who was very active. He would climb mountains, um, like Mount Rainier. Like these are like dangerous mountains, okay? He, but so he was very active. And I'll never forget just a simple um, analogy he made. He was also a bike rider. You know, I'm not talking about like it on the beach cruiser. I mean, like he probably had like the whole outfit, okay? <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I just assume he did. But um, so he was a very active person. And um, he said something I'll never forget. He said, you know, when you're riding a bike and you're riding, he goes, if you look at that rock that's in front of you, you're going to hit the rock because you're focused on the rock, right? It's the same way in our lives. If we are focused on our failures, our mistakes, what we're not, you're just going to run right into more of that. And the devil wants to keep us down. He wants to keep us feeling guilty. He wants to shame us. Say shame. shame. He, he wants to keep you from being what God has called you to be. Amen. And so thank God, though, for the blood of Jesus. This is why the blood is so precious. Hallelujah. So let's open our Bibles this morning, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. Amen. Because though the enemy tries to make us feel guilty... Jesus said he didn't come to the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He came because we need a savior. Right? He came because um, he loves us. Amen. Colossians 2, chapter 10. So the enemy is trying to point to our failures and all of our mistakes and all of our shortcomings. What we are not. And um, Colossians 2.10 says, You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. God has made us complete. How are we complete in him? It's not in our own doing. It's not in our own works. It's not in, you know, um, there are many religions today that were birthed out of... (laughs) They don't feel like they're enough. So, you know, they have to get rid of their bad feelings about themselves. How do they do that? Many of them by works. How are they going to get to heaven? By works. How are they going to make it if they even, you know, believe whatever to the next? By being good, right? And it doesn't matter how good you are how much money you've given, how kind you are. If you don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then we all know we're never going to make it to heaven, right? And so these many religions were birthed out of trying to get rid of sin consciousness. Sin consciousness is you're always focused on your sin, what you did wrong. How you're missing it, where you messed up. And so you'll see many people, they get involved in these other religions because they don't want to feel bad about who they are. They want to feel good, right? And so Colossians 2.10 says you're complete in him. He has made you complete. When you receive Jesus into your heart, when you make him your Lord and Savior, you are no longer weak, you are strong. You are no longer poor, you are rich. You are no longer sick, 
You are the healed. You are no longer guilty. You are righteous. You are in right standing with God. The minute you say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. You now stand before him clean. There is no past. There is no past. And the devil, he can't let go of the past. And so he tries to throw your past in your face. But the Bible says you're a new creature in Christ. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means your past, it's been wiped clean. It's, it no longer exists. No longer exists. It, you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And if we don't address these accusations that the enemy sends, these feelings of worthlessness... Um, it will keep us from taking our rightful place in the kingdom of God. We can get so focused on ourselves. The enemy wants us so inwardly focused on us. If you're so focused on you, you're never going to do anything for God. You're never going to do anything for others. I mean, you know you've been around people who are in self-pity. They talk about themselves. They only think about themselves. Um, everything surrounds them and why they're not happy. Well, what is that? That's the enemy pointing to everything negative. Amen. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation. Say no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. That condemnation is like it's a sentence. Like when someone is judged and they're sentenced, you know, you're sentenced to five years, you know, in prison or whatever. That's a sentence. It's a, it's a punishment. And it, it uh, refers to especially death. And Jesus says, Paul said here in Romans 8 about the Lord, there's no condemnation to those who are in him. The minute you ask Jesus to come into your life, the minute you make him your Lord and Savior, there's no more condemnation anymore. The devil can't bring those thoughts up. Those, the past, the mistakes, the failures. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. It's been completely erased by the blood of Jesus. It's no long, it no longer exists. Your past no longer exists. But we, can, we tend to bring up the past. Human nature tends to talk about the past. If I wouldn't have done this. How many of you have this thought? If I wouldn't have done this, then this would have never happened. We've all been there. We've all had those thoughts. What is that? The enemy. He's trying to point. See, if you wouldn't have done that, and if you wouldn't have said that, and if you would have did this instead, and none of that is pointing to you, to you, to you. But God doesn't want us pointing to ourselves. We should be pointing to the blood, the blood, the blood. The blood makes me new. The blood wiped away my past. Matter of fact, there is no past because I'm in him and he is in me. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. I am in Christ. You are in Christ. The minute you ask Jesus into your heart, you're now in him. And he's in you. But many of us don't realize that we are now in him and he's now in us. Who lives in you now? The greater one lives in you. Hallelujah. 
So most Christians walk around with very little confidence. Uh, if God's going to do this for me. I can tell by the way you walk. Put your head up high. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. We are daughters of God. If you're a woman, you're a daughter of God. Got to clear that up. I mean, you are an heir. The Bible calls you a joint heir with Christ. The Bible says you've been seated in heavenly places with him. You're seated right next to him. You got to see yourself. Don't see yourself. Well, I'm just below. I'm just way down here. No, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. If I'm seated with him and the Bible says he's the head and I'm the body and that the devil's under his feet. Well, if I'm his body, the devil's under my feet too. So I'm not going to let him come up any closer to here and to accuse and to make me feel guilty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. We're not, you're not a low, you know, I'm just a wretch. I'm just a, just an old sinner. You're not an old sinner anymore. When you ask Jesus into your heart, you're no longer a sinner. Sin has no dominion over you. It tries to pop its ugly head back up. You got to know who you are. What are you talking about? I don't live like that anymore. That's the old man. That was, that's, that, that part of me is dead. Dead. I'm alive to Christ. I'm dead to sin now. You are dead to sin. Whether you know it or not, you are. But you have to walk it out. Just like we have to walk everything out in life, right? You've got to walk out who you are in Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the opposite of being guilty is being righteous. What is righteousness? You, we hear that a lot in the Bible. You're righteous, you know, the righteousness of, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that righteousness means? It means I have the ability to stand in the presence of God. I'm his son. I'm his daughter without any sense of guilt or inferiority. When's the last time you stood in the presence of God without feeling any guilt? Without feeling inferior. Amen. Come on. It is. It's that sin consciousness. It's the enemy trying to point you back, trying to make you aware of all your mistakes and sins. Even when you try, even when you try to go into the presence of the Lord, constantly pointing you back to where you messed up. Mm-hmm. And then it it gets in the way of your boldness. To come before God. Amen. It's true. Hallelujah. Um, Our works don't make us righteous. That word righteous, I always think of this. I'm in right standing with God. I am right before God. You are right before God. Not by anything you've done. Just because you asked Jesus to come into your life. Amen. We're renewing our minds this morning. Amen. We are right before God because he is our Lord and Savior and the blood of Jesus makes us right. The blood of Jesus makes you right. Yes, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at Romans chapter 5 verse 9. It's not our works that make us righteous. It's his blood that makes us right. That we can stand before God 
being right. Amen. Romans 5, 9, say amen when you get there. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Justified. Anytime you see this word justified, you can think of just as if I have never sinned. Justified. Just as if I have never sinned. Much more than having now been justified. Just as I have never sinned. By his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Just as if I have never sinned. How are we, ju- how are we justified? How are we made right? His blood. He had to shed his blood. That's why he went to the cross. You go through the Old Testament time after time. You know, sacrifice the bull, sacrifice the goat. What are they doing? There had to be a shedding of blood. Well, they're constantly going back every year. (laughs) Shedding the blood, shedding the blood, right? No one could be made perfect. So Jesus said, the blood of animals, this isn't going to work, right? God said, this isn't working. I've got to send the blood of a... uh, of a man, of my son Jesus, who's totally free from sin. He never sinned. He took our place. His blood was shed. Amen. Um, When you are sin conscious, when you're constantly thinking of sin, you're going to sin. You'll also think sickness instead of health, weakness instead of strength. Failure instead of success, poverty instead of prosperity, and defeat instead of victory. Because we become so aware of what we're doing wrong, we forget about the blood of Jesus. That Jesus' blood made us right. Jesus' blood gives me the boldness to stand before God, to come into his presence free, free from every sin. Free from sickness, free from poverty, free from lack. The blood of Jesus has made us free. The blood of Jesus has made us uh, masters. The blood of Jesus gives us dominion over the devil. It's not just making us right. It also gives us the authority. Makes us rulers. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Hallelujah. Jesus became sin for us. He became sin so we could be the righteous. Amen. So that we could stand before him in our right standing, just as if, justified, just as if we've never sinned. The blood makes it as if we have never sinned. The blood wipes that path. You know, I've, we've met people before, um, or I've been around people who have met someone before, and they're like, oh, I remember you when you did da 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 And they're like, you know, in their BC days, you know, he's like before Christ, you know. And they're like, yeah, that was the, that was, that was the old me. <laughs> that was the old me. I'm not like that anymore, right? That's the old man. That was the old man. That old man is dead. This new man, I'm alive to Christ. That old man, I, I, you know, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to Christ. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him, God made him, who? Jesus. Who knew no sin to be sin for us. 
Why did he make him to be sin for us? That we might become, that we might become, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might be right. That we can stand before God in a right standing place with him saying, thank you for the blood that has made me right. Thank you for the blood that gives me the boldness to come into your presence. Thank you for the blood that, that frees me from sin and guilt and shame. And when guilt comes, I can say, no, he has made me right. The blood has made me right. Devil, you can take your guilty, shameful, condemning thoughts Take them back to hell where they came from because you're not speaking to my mind. I am not guilty. God's blood has made me free. God's blood has made me right. So I'm righteous. I'm going to walk out that righteousness. I'm going to be an example. I'm going to be an example of God's righteousness here on earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because he became. He became sin for us. He took our place. Amen. Hallelujah. So we can stand before him in right standing with God. And there are no flaws. He doesn't see you with flaws. He doesn't see you. See, we know, well, God doesn't see us sick, right? God doesn't see us sick. He sees us healed. Guess what? He doesn't see you with flaws. He doesn't see you with mistakes. He sees you complete in him. He doesn't see you weak. He sees you strong. He doesn't see you poor. He sees you wealthy. He sees you through the blood of Jesus that makes you complete in every aspect. In your your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, in your body, you are complete in him. Hallelujah. Through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now we're going to look at Ephesians 6 because pastor has been ministering on this and I want us to go to Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armor of God. Amen. How do we stand against the enemy when he tells us he throws his fiery darts at us? You know, we have to be skillful and say, I am right because God has made me right. I'm right. I'm righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. That cleanses us. Bible says it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. From anything that would try and come to make me unrighteous, the, by, the blood cleanses me from that. That's right. Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, tell me, I, I think I forgot to write down the reference, but it's, I think it's Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Where does your strength come from? From the Lord. The greater one's in you. The greater one never gets tired. The greater one doesn't get weary. Amen. He's always strong. If I run out of strength, I can tap into God, who is my strength, and I am strong in him. Everything that we need, it's in him. It's never in our own doing. It's never in our own works. If I can just confess more, if I could just pray more, if I could just read my Bible more, I'd be healed. God heals people that don't even know him. How many testimonies have we read? And then they got born again. I mean, go read Brother Hagin's books. Time and time again, people got healed before they even knew Jesus. 
And so we're always like, if I could just read more. Now, you, I'm not saying we shouldn't read our Bible. Right. Spend time with the Lord. Wait on him. Have a relationship with him. Amen. But it's because we love him. Because we love him and we desire to know. I want to know him. I want to know him. The power of his resurrection. I want to know him. Not I'm trying to get something. You know, you know, if your kids came to you every single time, hey, Dad, I love you. Hey, uh, could you spot me uh, 200? Hey, Dad, I love you. You know, after all, I'd be like, every time they come to me, like, what do you want? Yeah. You know, and it's like, you don't even have to butter me up. Just, what do you need? I'll give it to you. You know, you, you, just because you love them, you would do it. It's not like they have to, like, you know, lift you up in some way. We feel like we got to do that to the Lord. Oh, Lord, I love you, Jesus. Okay, don't forget, I need this and I need that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, if I could just, the devil's always trying to, you, you, you don't have enough faith. You don't have the faith for that. Listen, you have, the Bible says you've been given a measure of faith when you were born again. You, ha, you are complete in him. Now, we can uh, make our faith, you know, build up our faith. But you have what you need. It's all in him. Hallelujah. So, and then it goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Listen, God has given us a way to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. What do we do? We put on the whole armor of God. Who puts on the armor of God? We do. We're not like, oh, Jesus, help me now put on the armor of God. No, he's like, no, you do it. You got to put on the armor. How, why are you going to put on the armor? Because the devil is, is a trickster. He's going to try and trick you. He's going to try and pull the wool over your eyes. He does it to Christians all the time. Just because you're a Christian, don't think, oh, the devil can't trick me. I'm a Christian. No, he's going to try and trick you. Amen? That's what he does. But the armor protects us against the tricks of the devil. For it goes on to say, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, we're not fighting against man. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. Well, you know, Bobby over there, he's always, if Bobby, if Bobby would just get out of my way, then maybe I'd get a promotion. You know, if, you know, if Susie would just, you know, man, she's always just doing this and this, and it's all because of her. No, it's the enemy. We don't fight against flesh and blood. you got to take your authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then it goes on to say, take up the whole armor of God. Come on, why? We need this protection that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. How are you going to stand in life? Number one, he says, put on, the, on your waist the truth, right? With truth, your truth. It's not, it's not you know, what's my truth? Well, that's my truth. Listen, there's only one truth. But the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who's the truth? God's word is truth. If someone tells me something and it doesn't line up with this, I'm sorry, I'm like, that's not true. That's just not true. Now, I don't have to tell them to their face, but in my heart, I'm like, no, not true. They don't know that's not true. Right? I'm like, this is truth. And so your belt is is the word of God. The word is truth. When it says put on the, the belt of truth, it's saying put the word on. Wrap it around your waist. Make it the center of your life. The word. Why? Because that the Roman soldier, they would hook all of their other 
um, tools, their weapons on that belt of truth. If you don't have the belt of truth, if you don't make the word the center of your life, and the word is your truth. When the word says I'm healed, I'm healed. When the word says I'm righteous by the blood, I'm righteous. When the word says uh, that you have more than enough, I have more than enough. The word is my truth, not my bank account, not my customers, not the doctor's report. They're not my truth. God's word is my truth. And if his word says he will supply every need, then guess what? He'll supply every need. Why? Because his word is my truth. And I have to cling to his word. His word has to be my very life. I can't go anywhere without the word in my heart. I've got to keep it coming out of my mouth. And when the bad reports come or the naysayers come, I just so say God's word is my truth. And when you have God's word as your truth, then you've got the other weapons. So you can't, ha- you can't know who you are if you don't have his word as your truth. His word is the truth. Amen. Anything that um, would, would say otherwise or say differently, it's a lie. When the devil tells you you're sick, you're broke, you're poor, you're sad, you're weary, you're disgusted. Let me get my Bible and see what the Word says because the Word is my truth. The Word is the truth. The truth for all of us. I don't want to say my because that's a, you know, it's not my. It's our truth. It's the truth. Amen? Okay, so you have your, your belt on. It's the Word of God, okay? But I want to focus on this next part. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You are to put on a breastplate of righteousness. What is a breastplate? It's, a, it's like a shield. It's a breastplate. It protects the body on both sides. It used to be from the neck to the navel, the front and the back. It covered the rib area. What is it doing? It's protecting all your organs right here. It's keeping you safe. Right? What is this weapon? It's the breastplate of righteousness. Knowing who you are in Christ, it's a weapon. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, then the enemy's going to come and trick you. That's what it says right here, right? It says if we don't take up the whole armor of God, it says we need this protection from the tricks of the devil. That's how we stand with that truth around us and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Who puts it on? It says again, put it on. Who puts it on? You do. How do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? You say, I am right with God. Jesus' blood has made me right. I can stand before God knowing I am right in him. I am not guilty. I refuse to feel guilty or shame or uh, like a failure. devil tries to make you feel like you're a failure. Oh, you failed again. You messed up again. Well, you know what, devil? I'm getting right back up. God's word is my helper. I've got the Holy Ghost. His blood makes me right, and I am righteous in him. Listen, are we going to make mistakes? Yeah, probably. You're probably going to make some mistakes in life. But don't let the devil beat you up over them. Because first, you'll beat yourself up. And then you may have other people beat you up. And then the devil comes with his hammer, and then he tries to beat you up. But 1 John 1, 9 says that, You know, when you come to him, you confess your sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you 
the Bible says. He cleanses you. How does he cleanse you? By the blood of Jesus. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. He cleanses you from being unrighteous, and he's, trans he's translated you out of that darkness into the light. So you're no longer unrighteous. Now you're right. Now you're right in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is a weapon of righteousness. Amen. We're a daughter of God. We're, you're sons of God. So take your place like you are. Act like you are. Come on. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Luke chapter 15. I want to get ready to close with this. Amen. Once you become a new creature in Christ, once you've asked Jesus to come into your life, you're dead to sin. You're dead. Dead to sin. Uh, you don't have to turn there because I know you're trying to Luke 15, but Romans 6, uh, you can go back and read Romans 5, 6, 7, 8. It talks about your righteousness. But Romans 6, 14 says, sin shall not have dominion over you. In other words, sin shall not lord over you. Why? Because now you're righteous. It has no power over you unless you give it power. Unless you yield to it, right? Uh, I want to look at the story of the prodigal son because I really feel like this is a great example of, you know, it is a parable. So Jesus told this parable, but it's a great example of us, how God receives us and makes us right. Okay, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says this. He said, a certain man had two sons, say two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So he asked for his father's inheritance. It wasn't time to have the inheritance, but he wanted it, and so the father gave it to him. And then he left, and he wasted it. Look what happens. He went and joined himself to, um, oh, I skipped a verse. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Say in want. In, in other words, he didn't have anything, right? He had wasted it. And because of that, he went, he had spent all, oh, I'm sorry, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. What swine? Pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. And I love this story because, you know, when we mess up, many times people, when Christians mess up, they run away from God. But when we mess up, we should run to God. We should run to him. Why? Because he's waiting for us. Because he loves us. He loves us so much, we should never run from him. Just like you would never want your own kids, if they messed up, to run away. You'd be like, open up your house. Come on in. I'm here. I'm waiting for you, right? I love what it says. He came to himself. Hallelujah. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And here I am perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Here's his mentality. Sometimes Christians are like this. I'm going to run to God, and if he'll just take me, you know, 
I probably won't have like the, the inheritance that I had once before, but at least I could be in God's house. He thought less of himself because of his mistakes. And he arose and came to his father. And I love this. And when he was still a great way off, this is your father, God. He's always looking, waiting for you. He loves us so very much. You can be far off, and he sees you. I love it. He sees you, and he had compassion, and he ran. He ran. When God sees us, even when we've made mistakes, even when we've messed up. I mean, this guy messed up big time. He spent all his inheritance, but God saw him, and God runs after us. He runs after us because he loves us. And he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And I love what the son said. Because he did acknowledge that he had messed up. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And he goes, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. See what that sin does. It makes you feel like you're not worthy. But here's an example of Jesus, of God to us. The father said to his servants, he didn't even acknowledge it. He's like, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Come on. Put the ring on his hand. Put sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here. Let's kill it. We're going to have a party. My son, who was gone, who was lost, he's now found. He's come back home. He's co- See, the son was smart enough to run home. Yes. He was smart enough to run to his father, yes. to his father's house. When we make mistakes, when we mess up, we can run to Father God and say, Lord, I've sinned. You don't have to say I'm so unworthy because his blood makes you worthy. And when the father saw him, he put on a robe on him. That robe signifies you're my son. The the son said, I'll just, I'll be your servant. No, no, no. You're my son now. And then he puts the ring on his finger. What does that ring represent? You know, uh, I think it was Pharaoh gave the ring to Joseph, the signet ring when Joseph became second in charge, when the father gives him the the son the ring, he's like, you now have authority in this house. You now have dominion in this house. You're now the master in this house. You don't have to be a servant. See, this is an example of God to us. He's saying, it doesn't matter what you've done. When you mess up, you run to me. I've already made you righteous. I'm not even going to acknowledge what you've done. The Bible says he doesn't even remember. As far as the east is from the west, he doesn't remember our past mistakes. And then he puts the sandals on his feet. Well, back in in Bible times, they say that servants, they didn't wear shoes. The only ones that wore shoes were the master. The master's in the house. So when everyone would come in, everyone would take their shoes off except for the master. So he puts shoes on his feet. What's he saying? He's restoring him. He's restoring him back to his rightful place as son, as heir, as if nothing had ever happened. That's what God does for us through the blood of Jesus. His blood makes us right as if nothing has ever happened. 
And the Bible says, and when we make a mistake, we can come to God and say, Lord, forgive me. I messed up. Just like the prodigal son said, I sinned. Lord, I sinned. You forgive me. And he says, it's done. The blood makes it as if you have never sinned. You can stand before God. You can come before him with the, the authority as if you've never messed up. You can take your dominion over the devil, over anything that tries to come in your home with no shame, no guilt, no feelings of worthlessness or that you're not good enough. No, you are good. You are the blessed. You are the prosperous. You are the healed. You do have the authority, not because of anything you've done, but because of the blood of Jesus that makes us right. It's the blood that makes us right. It's the blood. It's the blood of Jesus. Don't ever live beneath what he has called you to be. You're saying the blood isn't good enough then. If you are constantly living in guilt and shame, we're saying, well, the blood's not good enough. Really, that's what we're saying. No, the blood was shed so that I could be a son of God, so that I could be the daughter of God, so that I could walk out my victory, so that I could take dominion over the devil, uh, walk out my position of authority in Christ. It's all in him. It's not because of anything I've done. It's because of what he has done for me. It's because he became sin for me so that sin can no longer lord over me. Hallelujah. Because of the blood, I'm free. Because of the blood, I'm healed. Because of the blood, I'm right. Because of the blood, his blessings flow in my... Because of the blood of Jesus, I can come before him with boldness. Hallelujah. Because of the blood. Amen. Closing with this, 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. In other words, become aware that you have been made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. You've been placed in right standing with God through the sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary. Amen. When you become, when you awake, <laughs> wake up and say, I'm righteous. It'll stop the sin in your life. It'll stop because you'll, you won't be sin conscious. You'll be righteousness conscious. I'm righteous. God's made us righteous. And as long as Satan can convince you that you don't have any right to the things of God, he'll keep you under his thumb. And, and sin will control your life, your life and you'll struggle. But when you awake to righteousness, you'll realize, Satan, you're defeated. He was defeated by the blood of Jesus. He's under our feet. And the struggle's over. I've been made right. I've been made right. You've been made right. We can stand before God because of the blood. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to take communion this morning. Praise the Lord. And just to remind ourselves. Well, actually not a reminder, but Jesus had put me in remembrance. Amen. We're putting him in ourselves in remembrance of the blood of Jesus that has made us right. Amen. We're grateful for his blood that washes away, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That makes us right in him. Hallelujah. Are you ready? All right.